Welcome listeners to a brand new bonus episode of Oh My Word Podcast. And today we've got a really special treat. You've actually heard her name before. It's come up at least twice on the podcast in these bonus episodes. We have with us author, publisher, Katie Odie. Katie, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. I'm so glad to be a part of this. We're so glad to have you. We had such a buildup because we heard about you first from Samantha Winkler. Everyone go back and listen to that episode afterwards. Then Leah Johnson. And we could go back and listen to that afterwards. This is the Katie Odie. We get to speak to her. Hooray! <laughs> oh my goodness. Yes, Samantha and Leia are both amazing. Samantha's an amazing illustrator and writer. And Leia's an amazing writer as well. And they're good friends. And I'm so excited that you got to speak with them. Let's get into things. We always start off with asking about the origin story. You're an author, publisher. How did we get here? I've always loved books for as long as I know. I learned to read at a very young age, three actually. My mom said she heard me talking and thought I was just talking and she realized I was reading. So I've just literally loved books as I got older. I read multiple books a day, grew up reading tons of stories, reading everything I can get my hands on and also writing. Started with writing poetry and stories. Then as I became an adult and started working, I would be known for telling stories all the time making people laugh and expressing myself with stories. So one day I was telling a friend how much I love writing and they suggested that I actually join a professional organization and I had never even thought to make writing a career. It's weird. I just didn't think of it. So I did that. I joined the Society of Children's Book Writers and Illustrators, which we call it CBWI. <laughs> it's funny, the first picture book I wrote that I took with me on a, a conference was about a boy who likes to fart, of course. I was so serious about this fart book and I was thinking like I don't want anyone to see my fart book they're gonna steal it you know all <laughs> those things that new writers think but that's just kind of how I got started involved from there and I just really love 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 writing for children love 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 writing black joy because I am african-american and I love to see us thriving and laughing and having good lives and telling funny stories that feature us so that's kind of how I got started with everything why did you decide on picture books versus writing something else? As in, children's books is a wide range. Why do you pick picture books? I started with picture books, but I've written a young adult novel. Oh, okay. Entitled Crossroad, my agent has it out on submission, and it's a story about a teen who seeks revenge and then winds up inadvertently causing harm to someone else in the process. So Ooh, yeah. I like the thought-provoking stories like that, but it does have its comedic moments within the story because I, I don't like too heavy. I've also written middle grade books. That's my favorite genre to write. Middle grade comedies, those are with my agent as well. So I'm hoping that people get to read something else from me. I also write poetry. So I do run the gamut of all of children's genres. Oh, okay. It's just the picture book got out first, not because you're only focused on that. Yes. I've written 10 books so far. And I'm working on another one as we speak. You say you always love reading. Did one of your parents always read to you? Was that a teacher? Did that start from somewhere outside of just you discovering a book and just, I want all of these all the time? My mother actually raised me and she put me into a private preschool. We lived in a place called Joliet, Illinois, not known for being the nicest area of the country, but she was very into education. And so I learned phonics and all those things while I was in preschool. And I just, 
gravitated toward the written word. Once I knew how to read, I read everything. Like I said, I loved books and she always bought them for me and fed my desire to have them. And then once I discovered libraries, it was on from there. So I think I read almost every book in my middle school library. I was always in there. Yay for your mom. That's great. Yeah, she's a great mom. When you say that someone suggested making writing a career, were you already well out of schooling, ready into some other job before this came up? Where were you when this idea was brought to you? I was an adult with five children already. I had been telling stories at work. I would have people say, I can't wait for you to come to work. You're the highlight of my day. Tell us a story, Katie. You know, but no one had ever said you should do this. And honestly, this is not something that's pushed as a career where I come from. It's like books are great. Stories are great. But that's not something that you work toward. I went to school and studied mathematics. I have a math degree and I taught mathematics. And then I got a master's in education and that's time that I decided to enter writing as a career, I was working for the federal government in social security. So (laughs) I was doing all the things that I thought I should do, but it was not my passion. Books are definitely my passion. From the writers I've spoken to, and even just from what I've kind of observed or sensed, it seems that as a general thing, becoming a writer is not pushed. When people be like, oh, I wanted to write for a younger audience. Oh, are you sure you can make a career that? Do you really want to do it? So it seems like from different backgrounds, it seems a lot of people are not pushed or encouraged to go into writing unless you're talking about this high literary writing kind of style, very dense kind of writing that people have to sit in college classes to try to figure it out. And that seems to be like, that's real writing. And everything else is just not career worthy exactly it is like that and then i don't know obviously different cultures have different things they look like so within my culture it's like we don't have the luxury it's what the mindset is to do something like this we have to think higher aim for the stars and be the first to do this and the first to do that storytelling is not considered an important job it's considered a hobby or something you do for fun and i beg to differ because stories were so important to me they shaped how I saw the world outside of my community they shaped how I learned things they shaped how I connected with people so when you write stories it's a layer of responsibility because what you write matters what you write will change the mind of someone or it has the potential to change the mind of someone especially when you're speaking about writing for children yeah and then you said that you joined the society for children book writers and illustrators someone told you about them specifically or you started hunting and you found them was a friend of mine. He told me that I should look into a professional organization. And I remember the conversation. We worked together and I said, they have those? I chuckled with Katie, yes. So I looked them up immediately. I googled professional writing organizations and found them and joined and booked a writer's conference immediately. And I think I joined in the summer and by July I was at a conference. I am not the one to drag my feet when I, I love something. I am an ENFP, if anyone knows what that means. When I get an idea that initial picture book that you showed up with what kind of feedback did you get with it what was your experience with that because you did mention an agent so from when you first joined your initial picture book to getting an agent what did that look like Oh, honey, that was, that was a long road. Now, let me tell you, that first book is called Freddie Franklin Likes to Fart. It's about a kid who thinks that farting is fun, and he winds up alienating his friends and family. I wrote that book because I have three sons, and they think that farting is the coolest thing. Or at the time that I wrote this 10 years ago, they, they thought it was 
musical to sing. And so it was kind of a homage to them. And that book really didn't go too far. My agent actually thinks it's hilarious. I got such weird feedback when I first went to a conference. That's when I first learned that how people critique, you can't take everything personally because I was just shattered when someone said they didn't like it because they don't like fart books. Well, okay, then they don't have to like fart books. And then someone who's like really big in the industry, well-known name, was not very nice when they gave me a critique because obviously it's a book about farting. So it's just not taken seriously. I think kids would love it and I may dust it off one day, but I just was like, let me just keep writing. That's a good thing. Just keep writing. Keep writing what you like and what you think is relevant and helpful or whatever your desire is and go from there. Then you asked me about agents. So my agent is someone I actually met in my writer's group. I had given up on finding an agent because I kept facing these roadblocks. I would find an agent who loved my story. So I'd, I'd have like a paid critique. And one agent said she loved my story. She knew where she could sell it. She just wanted me to add some more funny to it. So I was like, okay, that sounds cool. I'm excited about this. So I did that. I went through my manuscript. I finessed it. And now the thing with comedy is you can't just throw jokes. They have to make sense. So I did what I thought was perfect. And I sent it to her and she responded, you're funnier in person. Oh. Rejected me. So I was like, wow. So that's something that actually to me and my friends, we kind of laugh about yeah. still. It was very hurtful, but I was like, wow. Okay. That was a paid critique. So she didn't even give me a critique on the manuscript. She just told me I was funnier in person. But she read it and told me that it was pretty much perfect. So I don't know. Then I came across entering contests and then I was picked to move to the age around of a contest. This was admittedly like a diversity contest and then I got rejected and was told my work wasn't marginalized enough. Which what? Is, yeah. So it like kept getting like right there and then like something would happen it would be crushing. Like I just can't go on. Like I actually got to the point where I was like I don't think I can do this. My whole existence like shattered. So I took a long break and that's part of why it took me so long and my agent, when she became an agent she's like I'm so excited my agent now and she signed me right away and I was her first sale and that just goes to show gatekeeping can keep you out of publishing as soon as she became an agent she signed my book and sold it wow it sounds like too much salt too little salt too much salt too little salt what are you supposed you know, to do with that publishing is subjective but sometimes I think we all should be looking at what do we need in the market where is this gaping hole what communities could be served by this book like we should be thinking more about that and not just pet projects and things that I like or is someone telling a story in the way I want them to tell it yeah we need that but also we need to be keeping more of an open mind and looking at this as a business decision that it is it's a slippery slope when you're talking about creativity because I know agents they want to help you put your best foot forward if they don't dread the dreaded words I don't connect with your story then we have to look at why that is so I just think we have work to do but for my journey it was a tough climb but I learned a lot and I learned to persevere and it was part of the reason why I became a publisher because I want to give opportunities I want to give more opportunities and I want to give kind opportunities for people who are creating and even if I can't work with them I want to give them kind feedback and a push in the right direction because we need that. 
Well, your other thing is when we say, where's the hole in the market? You sometimes get, we decided we need more of whatever X is. And then all of a sudden everybody publishes X and nothing besides for X gets published. It's like, we right. haven't fully figured out the balance yet. Which, it's I'm been going on for so long. Why is it so difficult? It should be. If we look more at authenticity than dollar signs, then I think it would help. But you know, this is a business. So you got to look at the dollars. It's different personalities and different objectives and different goals. And I'm hoping the more people who get the opportunity to publish, to tell their stories, and we expand what is okay for a story to look like and the characters to look like and the writers to look like, I think the better off we're going to be. Well, that's kind of like you said, what you did by starting your own company. You get to set the rules now. And speaking of that, what is the name of your company? What do you focus on, etc.? Phoenix Media Books is the name of my publishing company, and I focus honestly on building relationships and allowing people to tell authentic stories. So the first book, Sister, you've probably heard about since you've talked to both Samantha and Leah. Sister is a story about a child whose parents are foster parents, and we hear a lot of foster stories, and we usually hear it from how hard it is for the parents or how hard it is for the child being fostered. But a lot of the times, there are children in the household who are also affected by foster care. And they have big feelings. They get attached to the potential siblings that come into their home, and then those siblings leave. And that's a big emotion for a child to have to deal with and manage. I think that it's a beautiful thing that people open their homes lovingly. And I know that reunification is the goal of foster care. So this book was never to advocate that one way is bad or good. It's just to deal with the emotions emotions that this child goes through because Leia is a foster parent and she has had children come and go and then finally did adopt two of her foster children had them become a part of her family she was a great person to write this story I wanted to tell the story because I witnessed it happen in real time and I know how hard she fought for those children not just to adopt them but just for them to have the life they deserved and to be treated fairly in the system that wasn't really designed to do what's best for kids in all situations. Sometimes they get pushed around and things are harder than they need to be and they really hurt her family really were steadfast. So I knew that when she wrote this story that it was from the heart. It can be controversial when you're talking about something like that but when people tell stories from the heart you have to support that and you have to show that there's not always a right answer but there's love and there's hope and so that's why I wanted that book and that's why I'm proud of that book being the first book coming from the company. And are you specifically focusing on picture books or it happens to be the story that you really want to tell is a picture book? Yeah, it happened to be the story that I wanted to tell. So I have signed uh, several picture books. I've got some things coming down the pipeline. I've got a book coming up next after Sister called Sasquatch Ninja Clown by a writer named John Bowen. And it's a comedic story about a Sasquatch and a ninja and a clown that are friends. So an unlikely friend story. And how's that look? And to me, although this story is hilarious, it also shows that you can come from different walks of life and have common ground. And that common ground is needing and wanting friendship. 
relationship. So I love that book. And I also have another book. It's like a social emotional note to self. It's about a kid who learns how to deal with their insecurities by writing positive notes to themselves. And it comes with like a journal. So there's a lot of social emotional that I love about that book. Then I have another book of poetry that's going to be coming out from an author. And it's not even on my website yet. We're still in negotiations about it. And the memoir that I'm looking at acquiring. So lots of different things coming down the pipeline. But children's books are where I started. And so I felt most comfortable building my company around children's books to start. And these authors, you found them, they found you, connections, friends of friends, submissions? It's been, it's been connections. I haven't even opened yet to submissions, <laughs> which I plan on doing this year. I started with just people I knew. I've been in the writing community for so long. I joined SCBWI in 2012. And so I just got people who recommend writers to me and stories to me. I met one person who's a reporter and he's got some great stories and I gave him all his options within publishing, but he's, uh, he really trusted likes me and so we're working on a picture book that I'm planning on acquiring as well and then I just randomly met someone who's got an amazing story I can't talk about it just yet because we're still in the very early stages of talking but he's got an amazing story and it's looking like it'll be a memoir I met him at a restaurant (laughs) and he just so happened to be this really big person in Wall Street I was like wow and he just messaged me and was like he would love to talk to me more about possibly his story and his story is amazing so I'm hoping that comes to fruition even though you started off with picture books and you might have a lot of them it sounds like you're going to be open to a lot of different things Yes, because I feel like stories can be impactful no matter how we tell them or what genre. So I don't want to close myself off to any story that could come my way. I do like nonfiction as well when done in an interesting way. So, yep, I plan on expanding to pretty much every genre. I am not a big fan, though, of horror. But what about for yourself? Because a lot of people will start companies to publish their stuff because they're not getting any attention from the industry. Are you lining up any of your stories to just throw it somewhere where they into the lineup or right now you're keeping your stories on submission with your agent and you're focusing on other people's stories I do have a picture book of mine that I'm going to publish through Phoenix Media. I don't even think we're going to start working on it until maybe later this year. Samantha is going to illustrate that one as well. Yay! Yeah, she's got a few things lined up that we're trying to get through. I am excited about publishing this book through my company just because I'm going to also do some of the illustrations. So it's it's a comedy. (laughs) I just want you to know that I cannot draw. So just so you can maybe get a little picture of what this is going to look like. Uh, So you preempted the question of whether or not you're also an illustrator. And that's no. I'm not. not. And that's the joke. It's the story. I want to tell about it, but I want to wait until I start working on it. But it's hilarious. You know, I am a big advocate of embracing your flaws. Embrace your flaws. Don't hide them. And I can't draw. So y'all are all going to see that. Much to look forward to. When you form the company, what kind of people were you looking to bring on? board is everybody just a freelancer as far as are you acting as editor for any of these projects you bring an editor on board distribution etc what are kind of the technical stuff of the company I'm a preliminary editor. I read and I get the manuscript in decent shape. Then I hire an editor that I've been working with. She is, I will say, she does great developmental work. And she also does the copy editing and things like that. I like working with freelancers that I know in the industry. So I've been meeting more people. 
people. I'm about to start working with a graphic designer who's going to start helping, like mapping out the books and doing things like that and working with the illustrators to just kind of give the more guidance on how the books should be formatted and look so the illustrators can work more on just doing the illustrations. I also like using a freelancer that way. I don't have to have a brick and mortar right now. I kind of like the whole remote work and I like for people to be able to do their work when they can do their work. Micromanagement is not my style. I just need it done by a certain time and with room for changes if we need that. I want to have a kind atmosphere that is conducive for people to be able to express their creativity. And what's the distribution channels look like as far as... There's a few companies I know that kind of do independent publishers or just through Amazon or something. What's your plans for that? I'm still setting everything up as far as the first book. So Sister is going to be up for pre-order on Amazon very soon. I have already ordered the first print run, offset print run for the hardcover version of the book. which is absolutely stunning. I think that Samantha outdid herself. It's a gorgeous book. And then I'm going to use Ingram Spark for a paperback version with wide distribution. So that's where I'm starting. And I'm hoping that as the company grows and the quality of the books that are produced, I will get to expand my distribution and maybe get a, a better distribution deal. But you always have to prove yourself, which I think is fair and I think is smart. So I'm not afraid of that and I'm looking forward to showing people that Phoenix Media and Books is going to produce amazing stories and they're going to be quality books. Amazing. Oh, because you mentioned it. Do you have definite plans right now for when you're going to open to submissions or it's kind of happening, but there's no plan for it yet? And then is it going to be open submissions or only agent did submissions? What are you thinking for that? I'm never planning. No, I'm never <laughs> planning on doing agent and only because I think that's so unfair. Yeah. But I understand why people do it. My plan is to open to submissions a week in April and a week in October and have some readers go through the manuscripts just to make sure that what hits my desk is at least in good shape. Because I am willing to work with you if you have an amazing story to tell and you may need a little work. I'm willing to work with that. So I'm saying that it's cautiously, but I don't want to write a story for you, right? So it makes sense that a lot of companies, especially the independent companies, because they're not doing the agent did submissions, they'll do a brief period of submissions instead of this ongoing thing because if not they probably get inundated with manuscripts your initial readers are like a lot of people think they can write a book but if you haven't figured out the structure yet or you need more technical work done it's not going to get past the first round so it makes a lot of sense and that's the thing a lot of times people don't know what they don't know but you have the ability to learn it and that's how come I like to lead with kindness because even if you present something to me that is just not going to work I want to be able to say this is what you should work on and not everyone's receptive to that I found I've given extensive notes and got radio silent. I'm like, okay, yeah. maybe they didn't like all those notes. But for me, the only way I'm going to improve is to know what I'm doing wrong. That's it. That's the hard thing about publishing. And because it's subjective, you're not always going to agree with the feedback, but at least having something to go on is helpful. And I just want to be, at the end of the day, I care so much about stories that I want to see people who are passionate about telling these stories. I want 
want to see them grow and I want them to have the opportunity to do that, even if it's not with me. So that is my goal and that's what I'm trying to do. And I'm only one person. So obviously I can't take on a thousand manuscripts and give feedback to everyone. But when I meet people and I bump into them and they ask me questions, I always answer them and I give them the best answer that I can. And I find that people like working with me because they know that I have their best interests at heart. Yeah, that's one of the things about when you just query agents that most of the times you don't hear anything back. You're like, I don't even know what to do with this because I heard nothing. So am I supposed to be proving to just not connect with you? Where do I go from here? Exactly. And I get that because they don't have the time, but it's very frustrating because I was one of those authors. I'm like, I'm not hearing anything. What does this mean? What does this feedback mean? Or what is nothing like radio silence? Does it mean the story's horrible? Is it great? You just don't get it. Is it just not your cup of tea? We're left guessing and it's very disheartening. It's just the nature of the beast. There's thousands and thousands and thousands of submissions and select few people who are reading. So... Yeah, that's true. Do you still participate in writers' meetings with either SCBWR or any other organization? Is your main focus now just going to conferences or just creating connections through connections you have? That's a great question. I was a network representative for SCBWI for eight years. I finally stepped down from that in December because I needed to work more on building my publishing connections. So I got awarded a scholarship to attend Publishing University with the Independent Book Publishers Association. So I'll be going to San Diego in May. I'm excited about that. I am still going to writers' meetings and I just joined another writers' group because I still think it's important to connect with other writers no matter how long I've been doing this i still think that's important and get critiques of your work and give critiques it just makes you a better writer me personally i'll probably always be a part of a writer's group but i'm still focused on like i said building my knowledge base of some more of the publishing side of the industry the new writing group are you going incognito or are you going to tell people that you start a publishing company You know, it's funny. I was at the library with my kid and there was a sign that said writer's group tonight. And I was like, oh, so I went up there and someone recognized me. Oh, and she's kind of published me. I was like, oh my gosh, I don't know. It's kind of weird. I don't even consider myself anything other than just Katie Odie who loves books. It's kind of interesting how excited sometimes people will be to talk to me. And I'm like, oh my goodness, you're so wonderful. Thank you. And what are you working on? You know, we all share this passion. So we're all in it together. So you're not incognito anymore. Oh, absolutely not. I have too much joy and excitement, but who knows? Maybe if I I write like a Shonda Rhimes-esque, then I have to become a little bit more secluded. We shall see if I ever reach those those lofty heights. (laughs) It seems like sometimes people who start off in writing groups together, especially if you have a lot of them end up getting published however many years down the line, they kind of keep that writing group so the one group kind of grows together and not necessarily going back with beginning writers or stuff so they're sort of in equal territory kind of together that's true but i do still invite people i just met someone and i invited him to come to our group and i was like your story has great potential why don't you round table it because there are plenty of people in this group who will give you different ideas that you can either take or leave. I feel like listening to different ideas gets the juices flowing and it helps you with your own creativity. So I still like to invite new writers to come out and join our, our groups and grow, grow along with us. 
And then just to ask, you might not have a definite answer for this, but going back, you said you can get so much different feedback on a story. We know sometimes that feedback can contradict each other. The sense that you've gotten, especially as someone who giving feedback or gives feedback now and from your own work, for other people's work, etc. Is it just all the feedback is there and you just have to take your own sense of things? Or is there some other, I don't use the word science tip, but is there some other science tip of taking in feedback? I think the feedback has to make sense. Like you have this gut reaction when someone says something and it's like, oh, they get they get what I'm trying to do. Oh, I didn't even think of that I could do that. That's great. Like you get that visceral reaction. So for me, I have a story. <laughs> it's my agent has it. But I have a story that I'm hoping sees the light of day one day. It's it was such a fun idea that everyone had an opinion. It got to the point where I actually set it to the side for like a year because I was sick of hearing all these different <laughs> opinions. Like, I'm like, I just cannot listen to this again. It was so many different directions, I didn't even know what to do. And then, like, a year later, I was like, oh, let me call this back out. Oh, this is hilarious. And now I know what I want to do with it. So sometimes you just got to let it marinate. But yes, usually you're going to get. 50 million different versions of what you should be doing and you have to kind of sift through that and like this doesn't even make sense and this is not what I want to do or people will kind of rewrite your story and be like I really think you should do this no I don't want to do that or oh yeah that's great so it's like well, you know where there's people there's opinions and you just gotta fine tune it it's your story to tell it's your vision that has to come to light so if someone gives you advice that you can use that's great if someone gives you advice that's not working for you it's like cooking a recipe some people like a little more salt than others you're right i think sometimes people are afraid to not take certain advice because like oh maybe that's the advice but they might not even be comfortable with the advice yeah, yeah, you gotta have confidence in yourself and, and what you're doing. And I think that confidence is something that takes time in the writing community. A lot of us suffer from imposter syndrome. And we're like, oh, well, I'm not that good. When I first joined my critique group, I could not give a critique to save my life at oh. all. Like, you could offer me a million dollars and I had nothing <laughs> to say. And I'm very opinionated. I talk a lot. As time went by and I kind of got more used to it, then I was like, oh, well, I started having good things to say and good directions to give and I'm someone who read a lot so it's not like I didn't know how to read a book and have an opinion on it right. but it just seems so intimidating I'm not even easily intimidated so you can just imagine I'm your shire you know, <laughs> whatever I used to cry with anxiety before my meetings because oh. I was so overwhelming and again I'm not easily intimidated like that so I've got a lot of different personalities you have to be careful you don't kill someone's spirit but again the process is necessary I think yeah, it's also because you're kind of giving your reaction to things so it doesn't make it canon. It's your feedback on it. You're not engraving it in stone somewhere. Exactly. And you also got to know who's the reader. So if I'm not used to reading, like I don't read horror, and then you come with a horror book, I'm going to read your sample and I'm going to critique it based on whether the sentence structure makes sense or things that I can give you a critique on. I can't critique the elements or there's certain things that maybe there's like formulaic things that all horror novels have to have whatever I don't know because I really don't read them but I probably am not going to be the best person to listen to what should and shouldn't happen or what element should and shouldn't be in a book but I may be great with the character work like well this character is falling flat to me because I don't understand why they would do this 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 so there's always going to be something that people are better at than others in a critique for me my strength is character work that's just what I'm good at and comedic timing as well and one recurring theme we've heard so so far is that everything's going back to comedy it has a little comedy in it yeah 
yes, I love comedy. I watched so many comedians growing up. I remember the first time I saw Bernie Mac on stage, what he wore, what his jokes were. Like, I was that chick. So, yeah, it sounds like it's a natural thing to me, and I love comedic writing. I love to laugh at when I'm writing. Very good. Even if you might be funnier in person, where the yeah, person say yeah. Definitely funnier in person. Well, very good. So we always wrap up with this kind of fill in the blank of I really like it when writers, editors, publishers, illustrators, book stories, librarians, bookstores, whatever, something book related. I really like when and I really don't like when. How would you fill in the blank for that? Off the cuff, soapbox. I really love it when authors support one another. I love that. I think that's amazing because the market is competition, but there's room for everyone. There's billions of people in the world. So come on now. There's room for all of us to sell our books. That is a big thing. I do not like when authors are tagged in negative reviews. I think that's just mean. I think that you should leave whatever review that you think. If you don't like a story for whatever reason, I really don't know why you would tag an author. Like, it doesn't really help. Like, the book is written, right? And this is their work that they put a lot of effort into. So what are you getting out of tagging them? Just leave your review and, and go do something else. That's an interesting one. I haven't heard one like that before. I think people think, well, they should know so they don't do this again. Uh, they have their ways of knowing how to improve. <laughs> like, we don't need you to publicly shame them. So let's relax. Let's see. I'm going to come up with one more. I love to see people reading outside of their own genre or their own race. I love to read a story from any author. I don't just pick stories based on, oh, this author wrote this, so this person looks like me. Like, I love that. I love to see stories by Black authors, but I also love to see stories by Asian authors. And I love to see, like, a Native American stories where I can learn something that I didn't know. I love to immerse myself in different worlds. And I feel like when we do that, when you read outside of your own lived experience, you learn and you feel more connected and when we open ourselves up then we find each other less intimidating we find each other less scary and we find that we have a lot more in common than we have differences so i think that books bridge that gap and i love to see people being open to reading outside of their own lived experience like travel without the plane fees Yeah, there you go. Well, Katie, thank you so much for joining us today on the podcast. It's been great to speak with you. Thank you for having me. This is exciting. This was a bonus episode of Oh My Word podcast featuring author and publisher Katie Odie. To find out more about Katie and her work, please visit the link in the episode notes. To find out more about Oh My Word podcast and to keep track of all the great stuff we're up to, please follow us on Instagram at Oh My Word podcast or check us out at eltenabounce.com. Music is by Tim Burke. Thank you so much for joining us. Catch you next time.